Hi, I'm Raylene Taskowski, and I've talked to over 10,000 women about sex over the past decade. Welcome to the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast. Welcome to Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like... How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And... How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also... Why is it so hot in here? Audiences agree. It's brilliantly funny. Raylene makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. There's nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you. (laughs) You've got to see stand-up comedy sex ed. I am ready to go do that comedy show. (laughs) Welcome to the Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guests. Today's guest is Tay Youngblood, who is a trauma release guide, and we we'll be talking about childhood sexual trauma and the journey to healing. Welcome to the show, Tay. Hey, Raylene, how's it going? It's going. (laughs) So you have already admitted that you don't listen to my podcast, which is fine because I don't listen to a lot of other people's podcasts either. But I have talked about frequently that I was molested on multiple occasions growing up. Okay. And I think that it's, probably at least among my age group and maybe a little bit younger than us before people started to really pay attention. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of us who were molested as children because people just didn't think other people did that. That's very true. And a lot of people also didn't talk about it. They kept it on the hush hush. So even if, you know, you were molested and then like, let's say, someone else in your family was molested and they knew that it was happening, they still didn't say anything or didn't do anything to stop it. So yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. That was, I would say in our family though, once it became pretty well known, you know, once I said something, I think my mom did a pretty good job of making sure or at least saying something like, hey, maybe don't leave your kid alone with that person, even though it caused a lot of rifts in the family because everybody was like, you're just, that didn't happen. She made it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely understand. I'm not sure. Um, I know for me, um, my mom actually, once I came out and actually said something, which wasn't directly to her. I actually told my younger sister and she told her not to tell my mom. And she told my mom, um, when I, when she finally found out, she really took the steps to be like, okay, let's nip this in the bud. Let's see what happened. And of course, you know, we, she confronted him, he denied it. And, but she believed me because you know, it happened to her as a kid. So it wasn't something that she was like, I'm not going to believe you. It was, I believe you. Now let's get you out of the situation. Let's make sure that this isn't happening to your sisters as well. Cause I have three younger sisters. So, you know, she, she took the steps, which is something that I can definitely commend her for. She got him out of our life really quick. So that was that's good. good. Yeah. I just remember at some point, um, this person had come to the hospital after my daughter was born and you know, like the joke on the way out was if you can't, or, you know, it was his, his joke was, if you, if you can't be good, don't get caught. You know, it was like, he would say, you know, like you say, Hey, you know, be good. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, if you can't be good, don't get caught. And then I was just like, you're gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't know that he meant it 
like that, you know, like, or, but I just, I took it that way. And then the other thing is I had seen an article about him uh, when they had moved into their retirement home and the area did this big, you know, look at this great guy from the church. He's amazing. He's so sweet. He does this, he does that. And I'm sad to say that the article tainted every other article about good guys in the world. Oh, wow. Cause I'm, I'm just like, sure. That's what he looks like on the inside. But do you know, you know what he did to this person and this person and this person, he's actually quite a pervert. Right. And so now anytime I see a church bulletin article about this great guy and I'm like, it's probably child molester. Really? Like you just don't, you just don't know now. Like now it's just like, ew. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then also like when my daughters would go to sleepovers at friends' houses, not only was I really worried about their dads, but I was always worried about older brothers. Mm -hmm. And it just made me suspicious of, I mean, all men. Look, I definitely agree. My mom was very, when I was younger, she was notorious for um, sleeping with having other men who were younger than her. Uh, my, mom's a, my mom's a cougar. Look, I love her, but she's a cougar. <laughs> and Ain't nothing wrong with that. So these guys were, you know, maybe, you know, six, seven years older than me. Um, and one of the things that I did was I was always like, I was the one always getting in trouble with my mom and these guys. Like they'd be like, she's talking back and she just says whatever comes out of her mouth. And it really was because I was in that mindset of my mom had a boyfriend who molested me when I was, you know, five and that continued for two years. And then now I'm 13 and she has this 20 year old boyfriend and I don't know you. I don't know what you can do or, you know, what kind of person you are. So why couldn't you be somebody like the guy that she dated, you know, six six to 10 years ago? Like, why can't you be that person? So I definitely understand. I was very suspicious of all men, all guys, um, just everybody in general, just like, yeah, no, that's just not okay. Right. It's kind of pervy. Yeah. It just, it just weird when I talk to people and I find out how many people had, had been molested and, you know, and we worry about stranger danger all the time, but the reality is we're not getting molested by strangers. We're getting molested by people who are in our homes. This is very true. I mean, my mom, um, you know, you, you think about moms and grandmas and things like that. You're like, you know, it's uncles, it's grandfathers, it's aunts, you know, right. it's, you know, it's, so anybody who has access to your children is a potential child molester. And I don't mean to be freaky about it because, I mean, I obviously let my kids have a lot of freedom, uh, you know, for where they're going. But I was, you know, certain people, I would be a little bit, wasn't big on having stepdads or boyfriends over, you know, I was like, oh, all right, well, then you can have your friends sleep over our house, <laughs> you know? Right. And not to say that real dads can't be pervs too, but it's, you know, you don't see it as frequently yeah but it and I it's just so just so what the fuck that's that's what I think what (laughs) it's such a you know it's such a difficult thing to maneuver and like be able to like keep a handle on if that makes sense because even when I was growing up like I didn't have I had a lot of guy friends 
but I didn't go over to their house. You know what I'm saying? Like I did have a lot of, you know, female friends, but they didn't have dads around. So it was for me, I never had that issue. My mom definitely, after I was molested, my mom definitely made sure like we knew bad touches. We knew all that. If something happened, come to her, like in any situation. Um, and so it never really went as far as like, you know, you know, her, I don't even know, honestly, I don't even know her thoughts. Like if she actually like ever thought like, oh, well, this could definitely happen if she, if they go to a friend's house or something like that. Like, but I'm sure that's something that everybody worries about. I mean, that's what I worry about when I think about my nieces and nephews and growing up in this world, like even just going to school, like, you know, it's just like, right. there's so many different things going on now that weren't going on before. And at the same time, I feel like if some, if there had been some kind of light shed on it, if somebody had said something, if somebody did something about it, then there wouldn't be that much, you know, going on now. But at the same time, how can you be too sure? You know? Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's freaky. I will tell you, it also damages this, this, so we're talking about the same person. Um, he also had molested his own children. Mm -hmm. And when having a discussion with one of my relatives, she's, she was looking at another interaction. And she said, that interaction was so creepy. Like, why was he always touching his daughters and hugging his daughters? That was so gross. And I was like, no, they had a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You are damaged. And so you're looking at this healthy relationship of little girls hugging their dad in the pool and thinking, you know, why is he touching them? Because he was yeah. hugging them. And that's not the same as molesting them. And it, you know, and so it just really. It is not. And it does kind of, it does skew your perspective. I mean, right. I can honestly say that I had a situation like that. I went to a family reunion um, and actually I stopped going to my fam my, fam my uh, grandfather's side of the family reunions because they're just all kind of uppity. Um, so I just kind of stopped going. Um, but every once in a while they'll come to Cleveland, uh, where I live now and they'll have like, you know, they'll have their little, um, dinner, like they'll have the dinner night, which is like the first night everybody gets together. Um, and I remember going there one night and it was like one of the, one of my cousins and like her grandfather, or maybe it was like her uncle or something, but she was like, sitting on his lap and, but she was like, like 16. So it really like, I looked at it as like, that is kind of strange because at, I was not doing that. Um, <laughs> of course, like, you know, because of my situation, but at the same time, it was just kind of weird. It, it does, there are certain things that you look at that can, that look off. Right. Um, and or that they just feel off. off to you. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a natural reaction. Like I love my dad, but I'm not going to go sit on my dad's lap. Like, that's just not what I'm going to do. Like I'm an adult. Um, and even as I was growing up, like that was just something that I didn't do because of what I came from, like what happened to me as a kid. Right. Um, so seeing it in other, you know, teenagers doing that and it, it does, it comes off a little off. It does, but you can't go up to them and be like, so what's going on with this relationship? Because it could be nothing. 
like you said, it could be absolutely nothing. I would say it's definitely nothing because if a 16 year old is being molested by her grandfather, she is not sitting on his lap in a family picnic. Uh, but it depends. She's trying to avoid the fuck out of him. Oh, it depends. <laughs> I've had situ. I've talked to some people where, you know, when it came down to them being molested as a kid, they were molested by their father. Um, and it got to the, it was so frequent that it got to the point where they actually craved their father sexually. Oh. And so there's so many different ways. Like when I talk to people about, you know, childhood sexual trauma, um, I let them know, like, there's so many different routes that it can go. Like, I didn't even know that was a possibility because for me, I was, I was doing the avoidant tactic, right. which I'm sure you probably were too. Like, let's, let's get ourselves out of this situation. Yeah. Um, let's not be here. Right. Um, whereas, you know, this person actually craved that attention. They craved that from the person that molested them. And it just, it's so different for everyone. And, you know, that, that in itself is a mystery. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know it happens both ways. You work, you are a trauma release guide. So tell me what that is. Um, so it's at, look, it's a title that I just made up. Um, <laughs> because it seems so, cause everybody's like, you know, everybody's like doing life coaching and things like that. And basically that's what I am. I'm a life coach. The difference is I actually help, um, women, more so right now, because I have, I've had more experience with women than I have with men. I do know that men get molested as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they are less likely to speak about it. Um, and some of them kind of wear it as a, like a badge of honor. Like, you know, I, I was able to have sex at 14, you know, um, when in reality, that's, they were molested. Um, and, you know, it's just, again, the way that different people look at it. Um, but what I realized is that there is a way to be able to release trauma from the body. Um, and within all the research that I was doing, even for myself and for my book, I found out that one of the, one of the ways that actually helped me was by actually releasing it physically. Um, so one of the first things I actually did was I started doing yoga. Uh, I want to say probably like this is probably about six, seven years ago. Um, and I remember, you know, if you've ever done yoga, they like have you set an intention and then you like do your yoga breathing, <laughs> which kind of sounds like you're like, you know, um, out of breath. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, like you're running and you're just like, <laughs> like just weird. Um, and then you set an intention. Um, and I was going through a lot of stress and I was not quite starting my um, healing journey with my sexual trauma. Um, but I was definitely looking for an outlet. Um, and yoga is actually a meditation that you can do while moving. And while I was doing this yoga practice, this one session, um, I actually started crying while I was doing the yoga, which was really weird to me because I had done yoga before in my house at other places. And this had never happened before. Um, and what I realized was after I had released all of these tears and all of this emotion that I felt a lot freer and it was because I was holding on to a lot of not just the stress of life, but like the stress of my trauma and how it was affecting my life in that moment. So going forward, I was like, okay, well, let's see how we can kind of shape this into something else. So then I became a pole fitness instructor. All right. 
Um, and I don't like to work out. I despise working out. Um, <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> it is literally the same thing over and over and over again. It makes no sense to me. Yes, you get results, but at the same time, it's the same thing over and over again. It's just like eating chicken every day. Mm-hmm. Who wants to do that? Nobody. Not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> I definitely don't. I want variety in my meals, right? Um, so I started Pole Fitness and I realized that it was an escape from stress. It was an escape from my trauma. It was a, an escape from my husband. <laughs> like, you know, it was, like, it was like, I can get out of the house now. See ya. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was literally an escape. And what I realized after doing pole fitness for about four years was that it actually started to help me bring back my sexuality. It started to help me get more in tune with the sexuality that I had lost after being molested. Um, And that took many, many years. I mean, I had been on that journey for at least seven years at this point, uh, trying to reconnect with my sexual energy, trying to reconnect with who I was before my trauma. Um, And as a trauma release guide, what I try to do is let people know like, yes, this trauma does not have to define you because that's usually where some of us are still. We're still in that victim you know, stage. We're still like, this happened to me. Why did it have to happen to me? Um, and now I'm in that survivor stage. Like I'm like, okay, yes, this happened. However, these were the changes that I ended up making in my life. These were the things that I ended up accomplishing. And at the same time, I was still able to use these different methods, yoga and pole fitness to actually heal not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, energetically from the sexual trauma that happened to me as a kid. That's what I wrote down when you were talking, because I, if I don't, I forget things that I want to say. Do you think it's possible to not actually be traumatized by stuff like that? You know, to just be like, well, that happened. And then just, move on with your life and not have it be incredibly damaging because I feel like um have this thing that I say like a lot of things have happened to me but none of them have been like quote-unquote that bad Mm -hmm. so like even when I was molested I wasn't actually touched naked I was rubbed on a lot okay you know and then there was a guy who masturbated on a seat in front of me and three other seven-year-olds And so I saw it, but it didn't touch it and he didn't ask me to touch it. And so it's like, all right, well that happened. Like, you know, fuck innocence. And I had my first orgasm at four. So ta-da, welcome to world. But even like later on in life when I I was married to an abusive man, but you know, I'm like, well that happened. It wasn't nearly as bad as other people. You know, I don't identify as an abused woman. Mm -hmm. I was just like, all right, well, I don't think I'm going to deal with this anymore. So bye. Um, you know, and it's just weird. So it's like, I almost have an anti-victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, no, you have to absorb it and accept it and then release it. And I'm like, well, how about if I just brush it off? Like, isn't that okay? Cause (laughs) I don't feel like, and I actually, the, the conversation came up because, um, and you've seen a lot of my, my comedy and my demos and stuff like that. And everybody knows I don't do oral favors. It's like part of my funny shtick. Mm-hmm. And this guy on a podcast was really questioning me about it. And I just thought about it. I'm like, 
maybe I don't do them because of the guy masturbating on the seat. Maybe seeing somebody ejaculate at the age of seven and just being like, I don't want that in my mouth. (laughs) You know, like maybe that's what happened, but I don't feel like deep down, you know, like I know I was molested and I'm using air quotes because I was, you're not supposed to, a four-year-old shouldn't be having an orgasm, Uh, you know, unassisted. If one wants to stimulate themselves and it happens, great, you know, but by another person. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was definitely molesting, but it, it, there was no penetration. There was no pain. There was, it felt good. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, maybe that's just why I'm a terrible lover. <laughs> <It's not just> <laughs> <like>. <laughs> well, you know, and you bring up a valid point. I have come across, I have not come across a lot of people who have been in your situation. We'll put it that way. Um, So is there a possibility of being able to be traumatized and then it not affecting a person the way that it affects others? Absolutely. Um, Because like you said, there, there was no penetration. There was no, you know, it was really just all clothes, you know, on top of clothes, Um, you know, not to get vulgar, but this, for me, it definitely was, there was definitely genitalia touch. There There was trauma. Yes. There was definitely trauma there you know, that was something that I personally experienced. Yes, I do think that it's a possibility that, you know, it does, it's not as traumatic for some people. For me, you know, it, it definitely was traumatic. I mean, I contracted herpes from being molested. You know, wow. there is a lot of different things that happened work. over those two years. Now, that- hold on. I just want to stop here. Did your mom report him to the police? Did anything happen? Um, so... <sighs> I was, I mean, I was like seven, I was like eight when Jesus. I think I told my mom or when my mom found out, I should say, cause again, I didn't actually tell my mom, my sister told my mom and then we talked about it. Um, but we went to him, he denied it. I would assume that there was some kind of like police investigation. Um, and I only say that because I do remember getting questioned by the police. Um, and then I do know that there was, um, I went through counseling um, as a kid and, you know, there was just all these different things, but I don't believe anything ever happened to him. Like he was still in our life. Like he is, you know, the father of my youngest sister. So he was, he wasn't, you know, active there, if that makes sense. Like my mom was definitely like, you know, um, where you're not going to be able to see your daughter until she can talk and say that this is, you know, something's going on. Uh, Cause it was kind of, there was some talk about maybe he had, you know, also touched um, his daughters or his daughter's friends and things like that. So my mom was like, definitely like, no, we're not going to have that. So for oh, me, mom. it definitely was traumatic. Like I, I have yeah. points in my life where, you know, I was in a room full of guys in like, probably, I was probably in like seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, I was in a room full of guys. I got left in, I've got left in a room full of guys, um, the teacher and all the students. Um, and the door was closed. My two girlfriends left out. They went to go to their lockers. This was something that happened every day. And this one particular day, I happened to be the only girl in this class full of boys and a male teacher and the door was closed. And I freaked out. I freaked out. And that was at 14 thinking that I was over this trauma, like, you know, oh, the counseling helped, but in reality it had not. So there was like, 
you know, there's, I can definitely say at different points in my life, like there have been situations that where that, where that happened to me, that definitely was like, oh, that was definitely traumatic. Yeah. And then, you know, that totally like changes everything. But there are some people who have things happen to them where they're kind of just like, where they remember it happened to them and maybe they did get the help that they needed or maybe they didn't and they just learned to cope and then they just went through life and, you know, everything was, you know, hunky-dory. They have, they also have that anti-trauma, you know, thing on their brain where it's like, yeah, it happened, but, uh, yeah, I did. I, the guy in the car, I, I never said anything about my male relatives until way later. Um, well, because like I said, it, it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't painful. It was just, you know, if I look back, it was inappropriate right. at the very level. Um, but the other guy, I mean, I came home and I told my mom, like, almost right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's yeah. strange. <laughs> like, so I don't think this was supposed to happen. And, and then I remember thinking to myself one time, why did I report him but not the other two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, th- you know, the other guys. And, and I said, well, maybe it was because he didn't give me an orgasm. And I was like, this just didn't seem right to me. <laughs> it was off, but it was, it, off. It, it was, and you know what? And I agree. I mean, I've had a couple of other situations where I was touched with clothes on and didn't say anything either. And those, those situations weren't as traumatic. Right. As yeah. the first situation, like that was like full blown, like traumatic. But the other ones weren't that bad, so it was never, like, it was never brought up. I don't think, even as I'm talking about it now, like, I probably put both situations, I put all three situations in the book, in my book, but I didn't, I've never told my mom about the other two. Like, I've never told her about the other two situations, because they just never, they weren't as bad, if that Yeah, I think what, where my, I guess the weirdness about it comes in is when, I really wish I had a way to say this the way I want to say it is I, I count myself as a victim in that I was molested because, mm-hmm. you know, and that I was abused, but I never counted myself as a victim because it wasn't that bad. And so then other people say, yeah, but you were molested, you were abused. So you are a victim. And, you know, like some people really want to double down on it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I was, it wasn't as bad as what happened to this person or what happens to that person. Mm-hmm. So it's not really me that make myself feel bad about it. It's other people sometimes are like, you must just not be adjust, you know, addressing it. And I'm like, no, I, I've been through therapy. I'm, I think I'm good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know and that's so strange. I've never heard, like you, I would never, like, you could never come to me and tell me that. And I'd be like, but no, no, no you're still a victim. Like, no, if you personally do not feel like a victim, like, yes, this thing happened to you, but it did not affect your life in the way that it did others. So for you, you do not see yourself as a victim. Like it happened. People know about it. And it was definitely, everybody knows about it now because I have a podcast. (laughs) Right. It was definitely inappropriate, (laughs) Um, but it didn't, it didn't affect me. It didn't change anything mentally for me. Right. And that's okay. And I think it's strange that people would be like, oh, well, you should, you should still be a victim. Like, no, but you could definitely, you could definitely say hashtag me too. I was inappropriately touched as a kid. You can definitely say that, but to say, you know, hashtag victim to survivor, like 
probably not. Yeah, that's that's what it is. When like, people say I'm an abuse survivor, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, no, barely. No, I would have shot him in his head before I let him punch me in the face. He just liked to choke me a lot. Right, so, like, there's a difference. No, definitely a difference, and I get that, <laughs> and I totally get that. That's why I'm like, I think it's, and you know what? It's so funny because everybody gets a different thing. You know, everybody gets something different. Like, right. most people, for me, I think the funny part for me is like, I tell people that I was molested as a kid, and they go oh, well, you don't seem like you were molested. And I'm like, what does a person... Yeah, what does that mean? ...molested seem like? Like, what do what do we look like, seriously? Like, yeah. we look like me. We look like my mom. We look like the guy down the street. Like, that's exactly who the fuck we look like. Like, what? This is completely inappropriate, but, you know, maybe we both look like sex toy ladies. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what happened. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> No, it's so dumb. And then I meet people all the time and it's like people that I've known for a long time and they're listening to the podcast. Like, oh, I didn't know you were molested too. And that's what it is. It's two also. And, and then I'm like, wow, that sucks that we're in the same club. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a club that we didn't ask to join. We don't want to be in. Right. Like that's not, that's not, that's not yeah. the cool place to be, man. We're not, this isn't, this isn't something that we just are like, yeah, this is what we want. Like, no. But I will say that there are people talking about things that happened to them as kids that they weren't talking about before mm-hmm. because they heard it on my podcast. Absolutely. And they're talking, they're talking about all kinds of things. Cause I'm hearing it. People are telling me like, Oh, that podcast that you did on blah. I really, and I get excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I can't freaking wait for my tag talk to be out because I know how impactful that is going to be. Oh, I'm excited for that. Look, when you said that you were doing a TED talk, I was like, oh, snap. Ray Ray's doing a TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It <laughs> will happen. I just I'm keep putting it out there. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm actually doing another podcast starting in two weeks with three, three guys and a girl. I don't even, and I'm, and all three of them are young enough to be my kids. I don't think we knew that when we started, ah, um, okay. but one of the guys uh, that, that I'm doing it with is the one who's bringing the TEDx to Norwich and I'm on the committee to make sure that it happens. Cool. So I was, I'm on this um, Facebook group for speakers and somebody mm-hmm. was like, Hey, how did you get on your TED talk? I'm like, I joined the committee. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what you got to do to get where you want to go then that's what I'm gonna do <laughs> listen when you said that you that you were gonna do a TED talk I was like oh snap and I started doing research like how can Tay do a TED talk <laughs> yeah. like, that is exactly like that that's like the major goal look the TED talk is like the major goal right but, you know, like you it's just like I want to be able to speak like I want to I want to be able to this is something that I want to take to colleges and be able to talk to them about it from jump because I want them to start off with, even if this has happened to them, they can still have healthy sexual relationships in college and going forward. Right. Or if it hasn't happened to them, how to, you know, the steps that they would need to take if something like that were to happen or how to be able to avoid and be able to like scope out situations so that this stuff does not happen. And I feel like that is important information. That's, that's not a talk I got before I went to college. Right. That's not a talk that most people get before they go to college, you know? 
I think colleges should have like a straight up full on day that's nothing, it's all about sex from all kinds of different perspectives. So healing and, you know, like my stand-up comedy sex ed or my TED talk about the value of open, honest discussions about women's sexual health. I mean, they should be like an all day surrounded by sex. You know, here's your, here's a bag full of condoms and, <laughs> and all kinds of other things where we really just, just bombard them with the sex talk because the more you do it and the more, um, they're surrounded by it. The, you know, the beginning of the day, they might be uncomfortable, but by the end of the day, they're going to open up and be like, okay, this is cool. We can talk about it. I agree. I went to, um, I went to Kent State University and every year in October, we had Sextoberfest nice. and it was like a week long thing where they like handed out condoms and like they had different events and different things every day um and it surprised me that they didn't have something regarding healing it really did surprise me like people who've been through trauma and like you know what they can do to you know again revitalize their sex life like if they wanted to have a sex life right like, honestly let's just be real like i didn't lose my virginity until i was 17 because i was a freaking prude like after being molested i was like i didn't want to be I, yeah about that i just want to graduate and go to college like i just want to get out of here um and i think having something like that going into college would have been like really helpful because it's no it's not a therapy session but it definitely would be like hey did this happen to you let's talk about it right let's and normalize you're not the it. only one you're right. not let's the only one that. in your class you're not the only one in your dorm you're not the only one on this campus you know, whether you were, whether it was reported or whether it wasn't reported, whether you've healed from it, whether you're, you know, still living with it in your mind every day. Yep. That's, I mean, just people need to, people need to know they're not alone. And that would be very important. And, and it's important to see people in adult, healthy sexual relationships who were molested as children. Exactly. Who grew up and they're not fucked up. And they're not hookers on the street and they're not, you know, whatever, you know, crack whores, like everybody, like the, the, some, the, you know, and that's a, a place sometimes people wind up going Yeah, from being abused. Oh yeah. I tell people all the time. I'm like you, cause I think that's, I think that's probably what most, when people come to me and say, you don't look like, I think that's usually what they, that's what they think. They think like the extreme like, oh, but yeah. you're not a crack whore. And I'm like, right. no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I always tell people, like, there are many different ways that people can go. Like, people can go, you know, where they're like, they're just like, they're fine. And life is just normal. Or they can be like in the middle where like it has affected them and they're actually trying to, you know, heal from this. Um, and then there's the extreme where they're like, they became, you know, a prostitute or, you know, something of that nature where it, it became, it's more of a detriment to themselves. Cause right. trust me, I don't, I don't shame by, uh, sex workers. Like right. that's all you boo. Like do you, you bought you a house. Hey, look, <laughs> how can I get in on this? <laughs> like, look, can I pay off my bills? Like only you need an OnlyFans, Tay. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I thought about it. <laughs> and then people are like, then people are like, what is going to be on that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's probably my feet or something. Like, that's what I was just going to say. If I was going to have an OnlyFans, I would have the sexiest feet on the thing. That's all. Like, I don't know. Like, people say I have a nice ass 
at. Um, so I might look, I might have that on there. Like who knows? But like, seriously, like I have nothing against sex workers. Most sex majority of sex workers weren't even molested or have any type of trauma. They just love sex or they just love their bodies. And All I right. think it's really a common misconception when it comes down to it. Like, yes, some people who are down and out and homeless and, you know, prostituting on the corner of the street. Yes. They may have had some trauma in their life. They also may not have. Right. And it's just, just have mental health issues or they could have mental health issues caused by trauma. Exactly. Or they could just like sex. Is it that? Why not? I wouldn't say you're going to find those on the streets in New York though. Probably not. Those are the ones that are addicted to drugs and are damaged. But those with the OnlyFans accounts and the uh, high-class escorts, they just like sex. Yeah, they just Maybe. I don't know. It is what it is. Like, you know. Maybe I got to find one of those to interview next. That would be cool. Yeah. Like, look, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm completely normal. My life was awesome. (laughs) I just grew up, I grew up at this time and I like sex. I think sex is great. So why not? (laughs) I knew a gay porn star once. A guy. Yeah. Who was was he actually gay or did he just do gay? Oh no, he was actually gay. Okay. Um we we worked together at a Italian food chain. Okay. <laughs> and one day he said, I'm uh going off to Hollywood because I'm gonna do gay porn. And we thought he was kidding because he also had Asperger's. Right. Okay. And then a co- he came back like five days later and I'm like, What happened to your big porn? thing he goes well i was gonna get ten thousand dollars to have sex with this guy but he couldn't handle my penis it was too big and he kept crying and so i only got twenty five hundred dollars and then we didn't make the movie and i was like are you kidding me (laughs) and then so then he left and he actually like i guess they liked the size of his junk so he flew out to hollywood and he started doing gay porn and uh and then i i lost track of him so that is First of all, changed his name and everything. That is awesome. Second off, that is funny as hell. <laughs> and he sent me an un, uh, what do you call it? An unasked for dick pic. I don't know what you can call it. It's so old. Oh, one of those. You know yeah. what? Was- and it was huge. Huge. <laughs> I was like, good job. Good job. Enjoy doing your gay porn. That's so funny. I was just talking to a friend about that the other day and they were telling me like, they're like, yeah, I've got unsolicited dick pics. Pics. Unsolicited. I was like, really? Now, mind you, my friend, she's a lesbian. So it was really, I was like, what? And I was like, that's so strange. Like, don't they know their market? (laughs) I was like, I've never gotten an unsolicited dick pic. Like, this is, what? And I was like, I feel left out. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna listen to this podcast and they're gonna be like, so Tay Youngblood, is it? We're gonna, we're gonna find her and send her an unsolicited dick pic. I want to be part of that club. I just want to know why we had to label it unsolicited dick pic. I mean, I would venture to guess that less than 0.0001% are solicited. Can I'm you sure. send me a picture of your penis? I don't think that's happening. Sure. No. And I, I don't, I don't, that's why I was like, how does this, when did, who the, <laughs> who is sending these pics? Like, who is like, you know what, today I'm going to send this random dick pic to this chick. Like, who's doing that? Who is literally doing that? I don't know. <laughs> Must be Russian bots. They're the ones <laughs> who do everything. <laughs> 
clearly. <laughs> Damn Russian bots. Look. I forgot can all they, about can mine. They hear us. <laughs> can I, they hear us? <laughs> I really need, yeah, they probably can. I really need to find a sex worker now. For sure. Look, I'm, look, I'm sure I have, look, I have a plethora of friends. I'm sure that I can find one, one random sex worker on my Facebook who's like, hey. Someone who just does it because they love sex and they also have to have a little bit of a personality because I don't want to be drilling them. I want to have a conversation. I mean, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I have had one person on my podcast that I um, just didn't put it up because I was like that, that was torture. Oh no. I want to have a conversation with people. I don't want to interview. I'm not a fucking journalist. Right. Chick with a microphone and got bored during the coronavirus. <laughs> just want to talk about sex. Just want to talk about sex. All right. So I want to hear your best sex story. My best sex story. Funniest sex story. Oh, sheesh. Yeah, no more trauma. I'm over trauma for today. I was thinking about it. You know what? It was so funny. I was thinking about it and I was like, have I had any like funny sex stories? Like, I feel like everything I do is like so like normal, if you will. <laughs> I think probably, and it's not even like a sex story in general. Like, so I'm one of those people who's kind of just like into all things. Like I, I realized for myself that um, sexual pleasure is not just about me. Um, it is about the whole person, right? Um, so there's one thing that I like to do that most guys do not like. Oh, so I always talk to people. So like when I have, like, is it the thumb in the ass? Oh my gosh. It totally, <laughs> no, but for me, it's like the whole like shebang. Like I, like I am totally into, look, as I, as I say this for all of the world to know, um, I am, I really enjoy pegging. Oh, okay. I do. I, I have no idea why. Giving it back no to the man. From, but I'm like, yo, this is, this is the deal. Um, and There's I a have power play in there. <laughs> I think it is. I think it really is. Somebody else told me that. And I was just like, eh. but then I think about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. This is, that's, that's hot. Oh, so. <laughs> um, so I actually had a, I had a partner who I was talking to about it. And I was like, you know, we had talked about anal play before. And I was just like, yeah, you know, like, this is really what I'm into. And he's like, listen, I could do a finger in the ass. He was like, but you are not pegging me. <laughs> like, All right. Look, like that's enough. Everybody, most other people are just like straight. No, like no fingers. No, no, I don't want to no. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like now then I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the person that only fans. Like, I'm like, so what's the next thrill? Like now I got to go find, <laughs> I got to go find the other guy who's like, yes. And it's hard to, you know what it is? It's hard to find people. It's hard to find men heterosexual men who are actually into pegging who do not believe it's gay oh my god let me just cover this once and for all again and again and again the only thing that makes you gay is having sex with another man exactly like no no wait wait a minute. no 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 wait let me clear that it's wanting to have sex with another man being attracted to another man as a man makes you homosexual that's it there's nothing else. Or nothing. bisexual or pansexual. Or bisexual or whatever. Look, or pan. Look, let's put yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Like it it that's really that's the case. So for me, I'm like, when people like I'm telling when I hear it from women, when I hear it from men, like I kind of just like sit back and I let them go on their little rant. And then I go, 
Hey, guess what? But does he like you though? Like, is he sleeping with you? Does yeah. he like other men? Is he sleeping with other men? Because if he's not sleeping with other men and he doesn't like other men sexually, then he's then not he's gay. And then they all look at me like, no. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Look, I'm going to go ahead and have fun with, you know, my, look, my little, my enjoyment of pegging. Right. They can all, they can all just do whatever they want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I fight that conversation a lot. And I, um, I always joked around that because I mean now, cause gay is not just sex it's always been like a it's always been like a thing you know if you like certain things if you do certain things then you know that's tends to be more effeminate and if it's effeminate it must be gay and so i mean admittedly for the a number of years in our marriage I used to tell people i'm married to the straightest gay the gayest straight guy you're ever going to meet because he likes things fastidious and he's clean and you know he decorates things really nicely but he's not gay he has no interest in having right the man is not gay <laughs> Listen, listen, (laughs) look, and I've been there and I've tried to tell people like, listen, like you just, you really have to understand the dynamic. Well, you know what? How about this? If, if it, if it's gay to have, to enjoy having something stuffed in your butt, then how come we're not all lesbians if we like you going down on us? (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a requirement. And that does not right. make me a lesbian. <laughs> or, look, or so you thought, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's the requirement. The only requirement. Right. People are, people are ridiculous. It's, it's funny to me. It really is. I think, I think for me, like being in, being in that realm, like, like just recent. So last beginning of last year, I actually came out as pansexual. So no longer bisexual. I've been bisexual since I was like 13. Um, but like, I realized like, I really like just people. Um, and I get asked a lot, like when I was, when I was, by when I was like telling people I was bisexual and then I would, I got married, they'd be like, but you married a man. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, so how can you be bisexual? I'm like, so just because I married a man means that I can't like women or enjoy women or enjoy having sex with women. Like, that's what that means because I married a man. Right you do realize that that makes absolutely no sense. Right. Right. (laughs) And I think it, I think because I think it's so weird, like being gay or a lesbian or bisexual is nothing new. It's not new. Like people have been doing this shit since the Roman times. Like they've been, this is their life. Yet now all of a sudden it's like this big thing. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like everybody's gay because of X, Y, Z. And you're like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. Right. Not how it works. That is that is a constant conversation I have with people too. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I just have to stop, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna walk away because I'm too close to this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little passionate. <laughs> I'm gonna walk away. It's fine. I think there's always been gay and lesbian. Yeah, always, always, always. Like you, you, you can read about it in like Greek mythology and like the Roman times. Like literally, like it's been it's been around forever <laughs> yeah and i just saw some stuff recently that's coming out where it says the bible never actually used the word homosexual until very very recently mm-hmm. and prior to that the one scripture they had was that men should not lay with children the way they lay with women yeah and then I they decided see. to use that as the scripture that said you can't be gay but basically it says don't be a fucking pedophile right and those two things are not the same they're not no, absolutely not. 
Look, in the words of my friend, words mean things. And that is not what that means. <laughs> exactly. Well, no. and then my very last, um, the, the podcast too, before this, we talk about how in the Bible, feet means penis. Feet? Or feet. Feet is a euphemism for genitals in the Bible. And they have scripture after scripture after scripture where they can show you that it doesn't, that feet doesn't even make sense. That's so nuts. And we're no, like, now I want to go Google some stuff. Like just, I, I Googled it to make sure that before I put it in my podcast, I was like, am I making shit up? No, I actually, if you go look in that podcast, in the notes, there's a link to the place where I got the data from it, but it was yeah. one of my guests who said that. <gasps> oh, I'm gonna have to check that out. Cause that is really funny because you think, I think I was, I'm not by any means like, Religious. I think feet means feet sometimes. I, I've been to church. I've been, you know, done all this. Like, I've been there. I've heard random scriptures, things of that nature. I don't know the Bible. Um, but I do know that there are scriptures in there that talk about, like, the washing of feet and things of that nature. And now, like, and now I'm like, where, which of these scriptures now, where right. they mention feet, does it actually mean penis? Like, that really, because like you said, like, I'm sure that some places it really does mean feet. Like, right. obviously. Um, but yeah, that's, that is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like as all the people who are like, all the religious people who happen to happen to wander across your um, podcast are like, probably not going to be a lot of religious people listening to my podcast. What in the I, I make it pretty clear in almost every one of my episodes that I think the two things that have damaged sex most is the church and porn. Those are the two things that have fucked up sex for most people. Aside I, from being molested, which well, yeah, you know, <laughs> Look, isn't I, as popular as church and porn, but it's in no, there. No, I agree. I definitely agree. I uh, I was I wrote a paper once in college about how uh, how porn really like kind of like skews sex, oh, like how of course it, it does. How it and it's so strange because then like I'm sure you probably have or have not, but you've had that one person who like watches porn and then they come and like you have sex with them and then like they think like that's it and you're like dude no like yeah. no i don't know what movie you're watching but <laughs> I, so i actually have probably only watched porn twice in my entire life okay. um just because it and there's, there's no specific reason for it i'm not like anti-porn or whatever um i think part of it is just um I, I, it just, I, I, it's so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Like, and then I can't enjoy it because I'm like, that's weird. But then, and my husband doesn't watch porn either. And so, one, like, one time we were staying in a hotel and they had Cinemax and they had like the Skinemax at night or whatever. Oh, and yeah. I think we got like 10 minutes into a soft core porn and we're like, okay, that's enough. Let's go have sex. <laughs> that is great. You know what? It, but you know what? Softcore porn, like, of course, growing up and watching softcore porn, which is really funny to me. Uh, look, now that I say this out loud, like, I remember that. Look, watching HBO <laughs> at night and all this other. <laughs> yeah. But like softcore porn, like, it really, I think that they really, they really focus on like the emotion behind the porn. Right. Um, so I think that's, look, that's probably why you guys got all like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Um, when you watch that, I've, I've definitely watched porn. I've watched porn in groups of friends, like in college. Like we were just weird as college kids. That's <laughs> the only time I've actually watched it was in groups, like uh, when other people would um, bring it up. 
Yeah, like we we actually would go to the video store and then go into like the secret back room. Yeah, I remember that. And then we'd like get all the all the friends together, all the guys and the gals, and be like, "Hey, listen, we got foreskin gump over here." And then they're like, (laughs) and then yeah, that was interesting. Like I'm telling you, like, but and I've watched porn like by myself on a handful of occasions. I've had boyfriends who watched porn and. You know, I'd be like, hey, I want to watch that porn with you. And they'd be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like, let's do it. I want, I want to see it. And it, most of it is pretty unrealistic. I'm not going to lie. It's, yeah. I prefer an erotic novel or, you know, like one of those dear penthouse, I never thought it would happen to me kind of stories. Cause they're so completely unrealistic, but also sexy as fuck. <laughs> I was going to say. Did you read, it's, it's not Anne Rice, but it is Anne Rice, but she has like a, a, a different I'll just name. tell you, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, there's a, she wrote a Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Oh. That is actually erotica. Nice. I it remember is- when I discovered actual erotica versus just the little porn stories. Um, uh, Kindle free books. You got to fucking look at what category you're logging into because all of a sudden you're reading and <laughs> these two people and you're like oh what a cute little they're fucking in the elevator <laughs> what is this? listen i was there was when i first got my i first got my nook my ex-boyfriend got me a nook for christmas or for my birthday or something um and i was going in through the free books and there was like two books already downloaded on there and it was like the first one was like the alchemist or something like that maybe um that's a good book and the other one was called taboo i don't know about that one but it sounds oh oh <laughs> let me tell you something okay i was not ready <laughs> i was not ready it is basically and i think there's two i think there's two of them actually i think there's two um and i read the first one and i was like what the fuck did i just read and it was almost like i don't know if <laughs> is there like, more <laughs> you've seen look just like not everybody else i don't know if you've seen tiger king but yes. always, people always like they're like i haven't seen this like da, 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 da. and i'm like dude it is a beautiful train wreck <laughs> that is basically what the fuck i read in taboo like it is literally a it is a compendium of stories written by real people and it is their stories of incest oh that is a train wreck it was definitely a train wreck. And I remember reading the first couple of stories and being like, are you fucking kidding me? And then of course I like read the rest of it and I was like, what did I just read? <laughs> and I brought it up to somebody else. And they're like, yeah, I read that. And I'm like, just, it's like a beautiful disaster. Cause it's just like, this should not be happening. But it was like so interesting because it just was. But then of course it's still a train wreck. Cause you're like, ew. Yeah, no. ew. No. But you kept turning that page. I did. But I kept pushing that button like, yes, all right. Like, "Mm, all right. This this is getting weirder and weirder by the page. Uh (laughs) That reminds me, I have a woman who is a erotica writer that I want to have on my show. And I've got to reach out to her again. That is cool. Um, Yeah. Because I do, I don't mind. Like, I'm. I like the little short stories Mm -hmm. and I liked that I, you know, like some of the Kindle books that I got, like were 
stories and they had a lot of sex in them and but i i don't know i don't know what i like yeah i just I, I just like to read and if it's interesting look that's why i just kept going uh but right it's interesting i keep reading it and was curious i was i was very curious because i was like in what world in in america uh like in what world do people do this and there there are people out there doing all the things if there's one thing i learned from this podcast it is that there are people doing every sort of thing mm-hmm. and way more than you think. Oh, yes. I remember somebody asked me once when I first started going on podcasts talking about my stand-up comedy sex ed, and somebody asked me, what is the one thing that you were most surprised about when you started doing the sex toy parties? And I said, the number of people who are swingers. That is the thing that surprised me the most, is how many people are swingers and how many people you know are swingers that you don't know are swingers. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that surprised me the most. That is interesting. Yep. And to this day, the statistics and the people that I meet and the people who are like, hey, can I go on your podcast and talk about sex? And I'm like, you know too many people that I know. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. We can't do that. <laughs> and it's like, and some of them are just like, yeah, let's just tell everybody. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, mm. Sure. Did you you get consent from all of those people? Yeah. I actually don't have a problem with how anybody wants to live their sex lives. They just go for it. Enjoy it. I'm a huge fan of orgasms. However you get them, awesome. I am far too lazy of a lover to do anything more than I'm currently doing. You know what? And that's fair. Like, two years ago, I realized that I was probably- I'm not going to peg because I'd have to get off my back for fuck's sake. And see, I'm just, maybe I'm just an active lover. Maybe that's what that is. You're like, I'm just lazy as shit. I'm like, I I am. I am a pillow princess. (laughs) Please me and me. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Exactly. Thank you. That was wonderful. Go on with your day. I appreciate you. (laughs) No, I definitely get it. Um, The same time I came out as pansexual, I came out as polyamorous. Um, I have a whole podcast on polyamory yeah like it go back and listen to it it's one of those things like it's just i it's funny because i was like after after i realized that about myself i was like wait a second i've always been this way and i didn't know that this existed it was one of those and i was like well damn and then i told my friends and my family and they're like yeah we already knew that and i'm like you know what you could have told me that would have been great (laughs) you might not have believed them is it pro- no, I wouldn't have. I would have been like, you're full of it. Full of crap. Yeah. No, no, no. All right. So I end all of my podcasts with a trivia game. And I changed it this week. I found another group. These are the one I usually do is called Things They Don't Teach You in School. A okay. crazy mix of fun facts, random trivia, totally useless knowledge. Um, and these are by, I wrote it down and I can't even read it. Huggy Games. Hi. Shoot, I'm gonna have to look this up again. Anyhow, I picked a new one. I went through their whole card deck and I only found two sex questions in the second one, so I'm a little bit disappointed. But this one is called I Should Have Known That, a trivia game about things you ought to know. And so this random sex question, weird sex question of the week, who put forward the theory of so-called penis envy? Who? I don't know. I'm gonna say Freud. Yeah. I was going to be like, really? You don't know that? Yeah, Freud. Sigmund yeah. Freud. 
I was gonna say, Sigmund Freud always talked. He always used sex as the base of something. Yeah, <laughs> the base of base of some argument, sex. <laughs> exactly. It's because you're in love with your mother. Right. <laughs> Let me see. I'm to find that. I should have known that game. I just I want to make sure they get credit because I take these with me to the um. Oh, it is H Y G G E games, huggy games, huggy games, hug game. I don't know. We take these with us to the vineyard. And so whenever we're out and about, like when we're drinking or whatever, we play these games and we wind up meeting the coolest people because we'll be asking each other questions, but then people will be like, oh, I know the answer to that. And so the next thing you know, we have a, a big table. We don't do points or anything. We just like to do questions. That's so cool. Tay, how can people find you? Um, so right now people can actually find me on Facebook and on Instagram. So, and look, and I have a blog. Look, they can also read that too. So um, on Facebook, you can find me under Desirable Phoenix. That is my company name, Desirable Phoenix. On Instagram, you can find me at Desirable underscore Phoenix. And my blog is called The Healing Spark. And it is on WordPress. So thehealingspark.wordpress.com. Awesome. So if you are dealing with uh, sexual trauma from childhood and you want to see what Tay is offering for you, just go check her out there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at standupcomedysexed, uh, standupcomedysexed.com, railingtaskoski.com. And I've also set up a Facebook group just for this podcast so you can participate in polls, ask questions, politely share an alternate point of view, and generally let us know what you think of the episode. So search stand-up comedy sex ed podcast on facebook please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends um leave me a little message let me know how i'm doing give me a five-star review on apple or four or whatever if it's lower than that message me privately and we'll have a conversation about what you hate about me mean people anyway tay thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us thank you for having me honestly i enjoyed myself i know it's been fun i haven't talked to you in so long so it was really Great to talk to you. So bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.